This is Guitar Talk. To me, it just seems like there are endless possibilities. One of the things I like to find out, you know, how people got influenced in the play and the guitar, because stories are so unique. The trick is not to feel pressured to conform. If you know anything about Joel, he's been around the block. He's probably one of the most sought-after guitar players. How would you create that song? How would you turn that song into your song? There's not a guitar player on this planet that I personally don't follow closer. It's it's not something that you see too often. I only know a few players that do it. Now, from the home of the blues, Chicago, Illinois, welcome to Guitar Talk with your host, Jimmy Warren. All right, thank you so much for tuning in to Guitar Talk. I'm Jimmy Warren. So glad that you could come back around for this episode of Guitar Talk. Today, we are going all the way to Europe, actually Scotland to be exact. My guest is Alan Nemo from the band King King. Now, in case you don't know Alan, first I'm going to say shame on you. (laughs) If you don't know Alan, him and his brother Stevie Nemo, you know, had a band called the Nemo Brothers. They were really well known all throughout Europe uh, because of their uh, tremendous Uh, ability to play blues. And eventually, Alan started the band King King, which has morphed into this huge rock thing that's going on all over Europe. And the band's huge. And it's a great band. And uh, his vocals, you know, I I know this is guitar talk, but his vocals, I I really love his vocals as well. It's a great all-around band. Right, so you're going to get a kick. So if you're not familiar with King King, I'm going to introduce you to King King today. We're going to play a lot of their music uh, because I'm a fan. I really am a fan. So without further ado, here we go. The one and only Alan Nemo right here on Guitar Talk with me, Jimmy Warren. There he is. How you doing? I'm already. Right. Are you well? Um, man, I'm as good as it gets. That's 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 all we can ask for, then, isn't it? How about you? You're better than most. Uh, I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt it. I appreciate you doing this. I really do. Absolute pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time as well, man. It's no problem uh, at all. I've been enjoying uh, you and your brother Stevie's music forever. Ah. Uh. You know, oh, whatever we'll be doing this as well. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even here in Chicago, where it's nothing but blues, I'm yeah. looking across the water because there's some great players. Yeah, know, great players. Yeah, the thing is, I mean, I think it's always been that way, hasn't it? It's always been. We've always, you know, we as Brits have always looked. You know, you go back to the sixties boom and in, in, uh, in the UK, and they were looking at you know bands in Chicago. Everyone was watching Buddy Guy and Freddie King and all those guys. And, yeah. You know, we were all looking at that, and then you know, and then all of a sudden we we seem to have this 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 great blues connection between the UK and the states, and it's been it's been great ever since. And you know, certainly most of my I, I noticed a little Buddy Guy Stratocaster behind you there, that's <laughs> the polka dot Strat there, that's good, but. Uh, Oh, this one, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, yeah, this guy, I was just looking at the polka dots. It looks like Buddy Guy's shirt. <laughs> yeah, it's actually an American flag. Is that what it is? Oh, maybe yeah. I'm looking at it funny. Yeah, here, let me show you. It's, it's actually, yeah. All oh, right, I see now. Oh, do you know what? I just saw the dark part and I thought it was the polka dots. Yeah. 
No, it's an American yeah. flag, and it's actually cool, man. it's actually a vinyl wrap. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, a guy yeah. I know who does high-end cars is a good friend of mine, and he, oh. you know, I asked him one day. I said, "Could you do one in an old distressed wooden flag?" And he goes, "Yeah, bring it over." And it turned out amazing. It looks beautiful. Is it, man? Great, great yeah. stuff. Beautiful. Yeah, took a perfectly nice guitar and well wrapped it in vinyl. <laughs> Hey, you know what? As long as they sound good, that doesn't that's all that matters. It does. It's it's actually, you know, I'm surprised. I'm not a I'm not, I'm not a maple neck guy, typically. Yeah, me I like, neither. I like ebony and rosewood and that. Yeah. And I'm not a Floyd Rose guy either, you know, yeah. at all. Yeah. But uh I, I'm I'm blown away by actually how well the Charvel actually plays. Yeah, yeah. I've got. I'm, I prefer a rosewood neck myself. Yeah. But I've got. A, I've got a, 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 a 1952 reissue Stratocaster that was built for the for the for the the anniversary, the 70th anniversary or 50th anniversary it was at the time, and um, it's got a maple neck, and it's the only guitar I've never, uh, you know, messed with. Yeah. Everything in there. Everything in there is original. I haven't touched it because you know I've got I, I've got to deal with bare knuckle pickups and sometimes I get some of those and put them in certain guitars and stuff like that. But this one I just wanted to keep. Yeah, everything original, so everything's rusty. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's got sweat rust all over it. <laughs> but it's beautiful. It's beautiful. Yeah, that's good. Stuff. I use it for recording loads of stuff stuff now because it sounds like it's got that real nice authentic Strat sound. So right. when we're in the studio doing things and you want that lovely clean Strat sound, it's just perfect. Yeah, yeah. I got a 62. Oh, a real one as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I got a 62 that... Uh, Beautiful. Yeah, that's, you know, yeah, it, nothing's been done yet. But I'm like you. I love to, to monkey with my guitars. I don't know what it is. Uh, I'm, I'm not a big fan a lot of times of, you know, the way they sound and feel right off the... Yeah, well, I mean, to be honest, I'm not I'm not a particular... I'm not particularly, uh, you know, mad on... on messing around with guitars it's been one of those things where you know i was i was offered uh, i was offered a, an artist deal with you know with bare knuckle and and it just so happened at the time that uh, I, I, you know, I contacted them because i'd burnt a pickup out in one of my les pauls it just literally fried um i think all the sweat over the years got into it and it just blew it out everything so i needed a pickup and I, and I met someone who worked for them and I got in touch and they gave me an endorsement thing. And I was like, well, you know what? I'll just buy a couple of pickups from you and just, you know, just stick them in there. But other than that, I kind of like to leave guitars alone. I'm not really? I'm not too much of a fidget guy. You know, I just, just leave them, just leave them. A, someone who's got more expertise built that than me. So uh, I, I, you know, I, I'll, I don't want to, I don't want to try and improve on it. You've done well. I'll just play the thing. No, wouldn't you say though, that, that different guitars, you know, uh, you approach in a different way. Like for instance, I don't know, I don't know if this is the same with you, but when I pick up a Les Paul, I play it differently than I play a Telecaster. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah I mean, I think grow, for me growing up, you know, seven, seven, two masters, like what, you know, one being, you know, Peter Green, BB King style of stuff. And the other being, you know, the, the uh, Jimmy and Stevie Vaughan, you know that kind of thing, or Ronnie Earl was a huge influence on me as well. So the, the definite physical approach to playing was a was a was a big thing. I mean, I tend with Les Pauls, you tend to be almost softer with with your right hand, you know, with your strumming hand. You know, you sort of glide across it, and you you tend to play notes differently. You you approach the note differently. Whereas I find with a Strat, I I, I dig in harder. 
you know, I, I'll lean in the strings a lot harder that way, and it, it just seems to you get the you get the tone that you you're looking for by doing that. I think you know, right? Yeah. I, I, and that's why I think I I personally like to change things because if I know like there's specific types of hardware or pickups or something in it, you know, I'll approach that guitar differently than I would the same guitar yeah. with different pickups. Yeah, uh-huh. you know, I don't know, I don't know. Who so, knows? so it's all the fingers. <laughs> so are are you would you consider yourself a, a a gear nut i mean you got a lot of toys you just fiddling all the time or do you know you got- what I, I at certain times um if i'm looking to if i'm looking to sort of replace certain things on 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 my board or or if i'm looking for certain things then yeah i, I go through little periods of of buying stuff and i get you know, I'll, oh, I'll try this, and and it's always on recommendations from other people. I never tend to really go and do massive amounts of research by myself. It's like I'll get someone to go like, yeah, try this, try that, and I end up buying a few different things, and then I go through periods of liking something, and then eventually thinking, you know what, nah, it's not quite me, and then so I'll go back to something that I've had before. So I'm not a massive gearhead, you know, that in that sense, but I, I'm I am always willing to. To, to try and improve and you know we're, we're guitar players you know we, right. we are forever searching for that ultimate sound which we will never find right. <laughs> you know exactly. you know it does it doesn't matter what we do it'll right. go on forever and ever we'll never we'll never be fully satisfied with what we've got in, in terms of how, how we sound so uh it's just an ongoing battle yeah i i think the search is is what's fun yeah absolutely i, yeah. I do you know one time i decided that you know, my sound, I, I wanted something similar, you know, to the, the Dumble type tone. That's what I wanted. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, you know, I, I you know, who's got a hundred grand to spend on an amp or who wants to? I just got them all anyway. Yeah. Like, <laughs> to it anyway. So what I did was instead of go out and, you know, uh, uh, get, you know, another amp head, uh, you know, that's similar I went out and got a couple of amp heads that were similar. And instead of getting maybe a pedal or two that were in that vein, I think I bought every pedal that, you know, is in that, in that, yeah. uh, that rail. And I had like, I don't know, 20, 20 some pedals. Yeah. And so I had to spend all this time going through these heads and these pedals. I loved it. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think if there's anything, if there's, if there's any one thing that I'm kind of uh, not obsessive over, but, I'm kind of like, I, I, when I was about 15 or 16, I, I discovered just in a local music store, there was a wah-wah pedal that I really liked and it was a George Dennis and it was the GD30 or something or other. It was like the, George Dennis at that point had made several different kinds of wah-wah pedals and they were all colored. So you had an orange then you had a deeper sort of redder one. You had, it was like a, a kind of like deep set wine red burgundy thing and then there was like a green thing and I liked this orange G30 or whatever it was called and I, I loved it I just loved the sweep uh, I loved the tone that you got from it it wasn't like the crybabies where you know you get like the most minuscule amount where it works to you know right. from full on to nothing and it's just done and you've got all this doing nothing right. it, it actually worked the whole way up the sweep was all the way up and down it was and it was more because I was a, I'm a, I'm a real sort of, a, I'm real fussy about rhythm playing at times. So I want, I always want it to be really, really on, on it with rhythm playing rather than, rather than all the lead stuff, which obviously comes later. But uh, so then they stopped making that pedal. 
yeah. and and I, I mean I wore it out. I mean I was at one point that you know back in those days I was doing maybe two hundred and seventy five gigs a year, wow. up and down up and down the country, and I, you know so it got worn out. I, I, Resoldered and fixed it, you know, a million times, you know. So yeah. now, and then they stopped making them. So now I just literally search eBay, and whenever I find one, yeah. I just buy it. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got, I've got a drawer that I open up, and it's <laughs> literally got like three rows of these pedals. <laughs> so as soon as one breaks, I'll just pick another one, out and then I'll, I'll, I'll tinker with that later and fix it. But right now, I've got another one to go on straight on and replace. Well, <laughs> the only good. thing that I'm really, really sort of weird about. <laughs> Well, well, thank God you're not that way with the Klon, because uh, those things are so yeah. expensive. You know, I'm still I'm still working on buying my first one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With this album, you'll be able to do that. You know, the new album, man, is is really good. I got to ask. Well, you, you never know. Fingers crossed. Oh, uh, it's it's a great album. I mean, I, I I haven't come across anything that you've done that hasn't been good, to, in my opinion. That's very but, kind. Uh, Thank you. I, I gotta ask, do you listen to country music at all? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My brother, my brother and I, my, my brother in particular is a, a, a massive country fan. But yeah. I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a huge fan of Chris Stapleton. Okay. Um, you know, and uh, you know, he, he's I just think he's probably probably the probably one of the, the finest singers and songwriters yeah. of, of 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 the last 20 years, man. You know, he's 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 really great, but I, yeah, I mean, I do take, I do, I, I do tend to take a, some some influence from from the country, the country rock style, I suppose, right. in terms of where my my hooks and my melodies kind of come from, you know, and that kind of thing, you know. But uh, yeah, I'd say it was definitely there, and it's evident in a couple of the songs, you know. But um, yeah, yeah, it's beautiful music, man. Yeah, the the first song, uh, "Never Give In." Yeah. The very first song on the track, that's the first thing that I, I thought of when I heard it. Oh, I go, really? I bet this guy, you know, listens to modern country because it 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 sounds it sounds like it's got a touch of it, you know. I yeah. mean you of course, but the just the the structure of the song, mm. you know. It's like yeah, there was yeah, a couple I, of songs on the album that I felt. I think that one in the very last one. Yeah, yeah. I think those were the two that I felt that had that kind of modern country feel to them. Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of I think the influence for that and the and, and the state and, and writing like that came from if you look at the the album previous to that the Exile and Grace album and yeah. there's a song on there called Find Your Way Home yeah. and and that's kind of got had we had we uh, had we manipulated the song sonically it could have sounded like a country rock song yeah. but you know in terms of the, the we kind of stuck to the plan and. And, and kept it in line with the rest of that album and making it kind of British rock. So you lose that production of a country song, but when you play that song acoustically, uh, it sounds like a country song. Yeah. A, a modern country song. Right. That's that's really cool, though. You know, that's really cool. I kind of I, I kind of kind of got the feeling that your influences expanded beyond just blues or oh, yeah, course, yeah. rock. You know. Yeah, I mean, you know, ever since I was a, a young kid, you know, I've, you know, I've been listening to. I think, to be honest, I think blues, blues was was something that I got into uh, afterwards. Yeah. I was as a very young kid. That was, I mean, I was listening to uh, Free Bad Company. Yeah, the Small Faces, uh, you know, and then you know, early White Snake as well, but you know, Rod Stewart. Uh, you know, even you know bands like you know guys like Tom Jones, yeah. you know Elvis, yeah. you know all of that was you know that was huge. And then when I got into 
my sort of maybe my late you know maybe late teens and into you know, early twenties. That was when I really uh, really got into blues. I mean, I was always the, the the Peter Green Fleetwood Mac thing was always there, and then of course that led to bands like you know guys like BB King, Muddy Waters. Uh, and, and even and, you know and Eric Clapton and all that stuff. So, and then I then I started thinking about where these songs came from. And so I, I did. I went back to Beeb and, uh, and and in particular Keyboard Walker because I started. I, I really loved Ronnie L and Dave Spector and guys like that. Yeah. But then I, I, I you know and I started listening to T Bone and thinking, yeah, this is where these guys are getting this from. Yeah. You know, so he became one of my favourites. So between T Bone, Muddy Waters, and BB King. Those were the, the, the big blues influences, and then you know more modernly, it was it was Ronnie L and Dave Spector, and you know and, and guys like that, uh, Duke uh, Duke Robillard, you know. And, oh yeah, Duke Robillard. You know, yeah. you know that, that that it's beautiful. I mean, and for a while I was kind of playing like that, you know, in the early days of King King, you know, King King, you know, that says it in the name, you know, we 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 I took influence from the Red Devils and the Fabulous Thunderbirds. Yeah. You know, so we 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 were we were, until until we did the first album in two thousand and eleven. From 2008 up leading up to that, we were an out and out flat out blues band. Yeah, uh, you know we were doing that that kind of Red Devils T bots thing, you know, and the kind of Ronnie L. We, we had we the thing that was missing was a harmonica, but we we just thought, well, you know, well let's just do what we're doing. And at that time, I was using different guys in the band, different players, and so one of the you know the earlier one of the earliest piano players we used was was a huge James Booker fan. Not be there. You know, and and his piano playing was was his, his left hand was was out of this. I've never heard anyone to this day that can do it like that. Is it was so tight playing the boogie woogie and and the, and the, the blues stuff. It was phenomenal, and and that you know that kind of led us into that, down that path because it was working. And, yeah. and and the bass player at the time, Lindsay, was a huge T Birds fan. So that that style of just you know almost playing a double bass on a bass guitar was like just suited him down to the ground but when it came to writing songs after that I realised that all that stuff from when I was little yeah that's what I wanted to write that's what that's where that's where it was you know that's what I, that's where the influence was coming out when I was naturally writing songs and not trying to think about any style at all when I just say right I'm going to write a song and this come up with some music and a melody and it was and I'm discovering it's more and more it's all of that stuff for when I was a small kid you know uh, that went in there and stayed, didn't yeah. ever leave, you know. Yeah. So when you were when you were doing the blues stuff prior to that, because most everything that I think that I've ever seen has been, you know, uh, a, a cover of somebody else's stuff, which you know, um, you know, the early, especially the early stuff with you and your brother, you know, uh, the thrill is gone, and you know, different different things like that and stuff. So. Was it a hard transition to go from from doing the blues thing to what you're doing now? Because what you're doing now is, I mean, it's 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 got blues in it. I mean, it's got you in it, so you know, it is yeah. what it is. But yet, it's got a completely different feel to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say it was a difficult transition. It was natural. It yeah. was a natural progression. Yeah. You know, and and all those all those all those great covers that we, we that we've all done. I mean, yeah. because we. You know, we we are one of the last over here anyway. We're we're one of the last old fashioned bands in that sense that did it from the ground up. Yeah. You know, we got we got in the we got in a, an old trashed van, and yeah. you know we 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 you know sat on the, on in the back on top of you know 
PA speakers and we traveled up and down the country and we 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 just literally we cut our teeth in the bars. Yeah. So you know, we were playing bar band music for you know and, until we until we learned to write songs and we learned to present a show in a different way that didn't no longer work in a bar. Right. And then you know, we moved up to slightly higher venues. And then the more you move up, the more you realize you've got to adapt your the presentation of your your set and the music, how you approach the music as well, for it to cater. You 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 can't play a messy, you, you can watch a, a, a band in a, in a bar situation and you, you can be having the best night of your life thinking this band are awesome. But you take that particular band and what they are doing and put it on an arena. Yeah. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't come across. Right. So you've got, eventually you have to think about that. You've got to think about leaving a bit more space. You've got to leave, you know, you've got to think about an anthemic tune that people can relate, you know, something that's easy, you know, something that just sort of falls off the tongue properly as well in terms of lyrically and how you present it, how you how the music comes across, you know, and everything. And all the, all those levels that you've got to climb up to to, to become that kind of band, um, you, you do start... You think about it, but uh, for a long time, it's just unconscious. You do it because you're progressing as a as a musician, as a, as a songwriter. Right. And then you realise why you've been doing that afterwards. Right. And then you can then hone in on it and go right, right, okay, hang on. Like to think back to now, like you know, if, if we were to, if we were to play some of those old tunes that we played in the past in front of and in the venues that we're playing now, in particular in the UK, um, it just wouldn't work. Yeah, because because you're you you're catering to the wrong audience then. You know you're not you're not in the right arena for that. It's right. these things work there; they don't work here, and vice versa. So right. if you if you've got very you know sparse, sophisticated you know clever songs and stuff like that 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 have got a lot of space in them, and you try and take that to a, to a Friday night bar, you're going to get a bored audience. <laughs> you know, they're going to turn around and start talking and drinking. You know, yeah. they're not going to listen to you anymore. What they want is to be, you know, they want to be stomping their feet, not really listening, but something that's keeping them moving, you know. Right. right. So so you- it's, 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 it's various levels of what you what you know you must do and then, and then being able to do it and still have the same passion and honesty in what you do yeah. without changing any of the heart. You know, I think that's the difference. Yeah. And so... Um- how long? How long? How long would you say it took you? You know, from from I, I don't know from when you were first starting or something, till you finally realized, okay, you know, till you came to that place. And I mean, I guess what I'm trying to ask is, how long of a progression? I mean, how long was the transition till you finally got to this place? I mean, how <laughs> many years has it been? I, I I honestly think it's it's one of those things where. It, it, it never, it never ended. Yeah. It's continuous. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a continuous natural progression for us all. You know, we're, I'm still learning, you know, I'm still, I'm still thinking about all I'm, you know, those things are still, they happen more and more each time you do something new. But I, I think, you know, to try and answer the question as best as I can is I think the, one of the moments when we realized that was, I think it was, after we we did the second album, the Standing in the Shadows album, there was a few songs that we hadn't played from that album, and 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 they were like some of the best songs on the album, but yeah. we weren't playing them, and we kind of like got to a stage where I started to think, why why are we not playing these songs? And then you realise that's 
the reason why we're not playing so is because we've not we're, you're in that transition period of moving from certain type of venue to kind of upwards a little bit right. and then it's like well these songs and then I remember I think we were somewhere in something like maybe Sweden or somewhere or Switzerland or something like that and we managed to play one of these particular songs that I, that I had in mind that didn't work before in the smaller smaller clubs and we played it and it seemed to go down really well in this more of a theatre type environment yeah it was like right because it had that space in it I had that you know that that the sort of the 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 slick finesse of it and, and but still had all the energy that we needed to put in it but just as a as a composition it worked better in this environment and that's why we hadn't been playing it over here in these venues because it didn't work it wasn't it was it was there was too much space it wasn't messy enough to be doing in the small places so and right. then after that, we all the best songs from that album started to get played because we were in slightly bigger venues because we did a a tour with John Mayle um, and we did all the theatres around the UK with him and 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 that that allowed us to play those type of songs and play in that environment and get across what we were maybe at some point we didn't really know that that's what we were trying to do, but we knew we were trying to do something, but you know, when you learn as you go and then you realize, Oh, the penny drops. And then that, that changed, that changed everything for the band really after that. We did 36 nights on the road with John and he was, uh, he was, he was so inspirational. He was 81 at the time. Yeah. And uh, he had so much energy and love yeah. for music and it was so refreshing to see it. I've seen guys in not even out of their 20s yet who have been playing in a band for three years and burnt out and jaded and fed up by it, you know, just, just pissed off and just like, I, just, I don't want to do this anymore. And this guy's 60 albums in and 50 years later, 60 years later, he's still doing it. And he still loves it. He genuinely loves it. You know, it's, it's amazing to watch, man. And it was amazing to chat to him as well and get some advice. And he invited me on the stage with him several times during the tour. So I got to stand in a, in a place on stage with John Mayer and his Bluesbreakers where all of my heroes had been once before. Oh, yeah. And then after that tour, um, we just found ourselves, we completely overnight broke out of the scene we were in and moved to, we were, the next time we played, we were playing the same venues as that. Yeah. And that changed everything. And then we, and then the thing that took us up, up another notch was doing five nights on the road with with the rock band Thunder. Yeah, um, and we did five five nights in in, in a, uh, an arena tour with them guys, yeah. and that was five nights that changed our lives. That yeah. was that made everything for us. That all of a sudden we all of a sudden we were playing to um, a thousand capacity venues rather than two hundred and three hundred. All right, you're listening to uh, an interview with Alan Nemo from the band King King. I'm Jimmy Warren right here on Guitar Talk. Just wanted to let you know that on the 28th, four days from now, my guest is going to be Steve Fister. He is the musical director and guitarist for Lita Ford. He's played with everybody that you can imagine from Satriani and Malmsteen and Bon Jovi to, well, the list goes on and on and on. His music's been all over TV and in movies. You're going to absolutely love it. So on the 28th, my guest is Steve Fitzer. Now right back to more Guitar Talk with me, Jimmy Warren, and my guest, Alan Nemo. Yeah. 
you know, and then 400 after the John Mayo thing. But that just took us up another notch. And that's, and that was, I'll never be, I've, I'll always be so grateful to those guys and John Mayo for that, for, for helping us get where we probably couldn't have got without them. Yeah, yeah. I, I had, I've had the honor of interviewing, you know, John Mayall a couple of times. And, and I, I ran into him once in Kingston Mines, uh, Blues Club in Chicago. Yeah. And, yeah. and uh, he, he's, he is a very gracious guy. Uh, and he's had all the, you know, yeah. I mean, he's had all the best guitar players. I mean, just think it. At one time, he had Walter Trout and Coco Montoya. Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Man, you know, he's had he's had the best. So, do you ever get the itch though to go back to the club, the two hundred seat club, and just do a blues thing? Just to you know what? You know, sometimes yeah. I mean, sometimes you you think about it, and and I've still got you know I've still got loads of buddies, loads of friends. Who are doing that? They're still, you know, they're, you know, they, you know, they maybe it's, you know, it's a hobby to them, you know, and yeah. they've got jobs and families and stuff, and they, they, they do their thing in Glasgow, at the weekends, and they're playing sort of smaller blues clubs and, and bars and things, and and I always try to make time to go and support them, yeah. you know, and go and just show up, and because that, you know, fortunately, fortunately now, you know, that for certain things like that, when when. People get wind that I, that I'm coming to that that bar that night to see the, the local blues band. Pe- people show up, yeah, you know, and that, that's great for my friends because then they they're going to get an audience in the building for them, you know, and that's that's yeah. great. And I don't mean that to sound like it's an egotistical thing. It's just it's just a wonderful thing to be able to do now for my friends right. because right. we struggled, we struggled all the way up without that kind of help, you know, yeah. and we, you know we had to do it all the hard way. So I've got good mates that are, you know, some fine guitar players and singers as well that, you know, you, you probably no one will ever see the light of day, you know, you know, no one will yeah. no, probably ever know about them. But, you know, that that scene in Glasgow's what what they're happy doing. They've got other things that are that are more important to them in their life. And that's great. But I'll I'll go along to these things and and I mean it, it, it's not it's not a case of maybe it's definitely as soon as I get there, someone's gonna ask me to come up and play a song. Right. And and you know and and you know what? Absolutely, I tell the truth. Sometimes you think to yourself, "God, I, I, no, I just don't feel. I just want to stand and have a beer and watch some music. I don't right. want to work tonight. I don't want. I don't want to do this." But then you realise, you know what? Ah, you know, this is what we do, man. You know, right. this is. I love this stuff. Yeah. You know, it only takes a couple of tunes, and I'm like, I'm in the mood for it. Then I'm like, Yeah, all right, then no problem. And I'll go up and I'll do a few numbers with the guys. You know, and it's just fun. It's just fun to do, uh, and they appreciate it. I have a good time. Everyone has a nice time over it, and you get to you get to you know you get to have a little blowout. You know what I mean in terms of you know what you what you're doing, and you you get to play some blues again rather than thinking about all the things that come along with you know when you move up a few levels in a, in a band and you get all, all sorts of politics that you got to deal with and all sorts of things you got to have in mind and think about and people to deal with. And it's now and again it's nice just to stand in front of your pals and just have a bit of a jam. Yeah, and, and and it always feels that way when Walter, particularly Walter Trout, comes to town. Yeah, he'll always call me, he'll phone me up, and say, you, you, "Are you are you at home? Are you coming to the show tonight?" Of course I am, and uh, bring a guitar. Yeah. <laughs> you know, bring a guitar with you. I'm like, yeah, okay, no problem. <laughs> and then we got, and that's what it's like with Walter, and that's one of the things I love about Walter. There's, um, I don't know if you can hear that, someone beating a horn outside. Um, Walter is again one of those guys that you. 
he he he's still one of those teachers of all of us. Well, I, I you know I have photographs. I was 15 years old standing in a venue, and in the front row of the audience watching Walter, and then you know all these years later, you know we're we're friends, you know, and and, and he's he's still one of the 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 best talents and and from that old school of you know what we just love music and this is what we do and we love it and I'm I don't care about anything else I just want to play my guitar and sing blues that's yeah. it and it's amazing it's amazing to see and when Walter comes to town he invites me up to play with him and it's just an absolute piece of fun it's 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 amazing it's just good fun and it's relaxed there's no there's no ulterior motive for anyone there's no there's nothing going on other than just two friends saying, "Come on, get get your ass up here and have a play with me." You know, let's let's have a jam, and yeah. that's great. And there's not many that there's, there's not many left in the world like that. You know, and that's a shame. That's that's a shame that the 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 music industry has kind of gotten that way a little bit. You know, there's there's too much competition. Yeah, and 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 bands are bands are being told that musicians are being told that that's how it needs to be, and it doesn't. Yeah. You know, it's like there's nothing worse. Than showing up at a festival, and for example, and you, we all go into the communal green green room area, and you'll see bands like all standing, like huddled, you know, clubbed together like like a herd, like a herd, you know, in yeah. a group, all in each corner of the room, nobody speaking to one another, because yeah. it's just like oh, there's that other band there, let's not speak to them, and it's like <laughs> we we all we're all the same age, you know, give or take, you know, here up or down a few years, we all grew up loving the same thing. Yeah, we all we all when you know me a, a thousand miles away from you, when we were the same age as kids, we fell in love with the same music and did the same thing. We picked guitars up, we did the same thing. Yeah, if anyone should be friends in the world, it's everybody in this room. Right. But yeah, but yeah, we're not. There's all there's there's too much there's too much paranoia, ego, and insecurity, and you think that's sad, man. You know because I love nothing more than watching a band who are amazing because you're going to learn from it. Yeah. You're yeah. going to enjoy it. You can learn something from it. Why shy away and turn away and blah, 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 I don't want to hear this because there's a band up there kicking ass. Yeah. Go watch them. It's great yeah. fun. You know? Yeah. You, know, you, just, you just don't seem to get much of that now, you know? Yeah. Chicago was, was that way when I started. Uh, you know, the drummer that was in the very first band I was in, his name was Kevin Johnson, and he was playing drums for Buddy Guy yeah. at the time, but he was also in the house band at Buddy Guy's Legends. Buddy, yeah, yeah. And so I used to go up there and just hang out, and it, it was through hanging out that, you know, these guys were so that nobody cared. They'd, they'd have you on stage. They'd let you play. They'd sit down. They'd jam with you. You know, and through that, I got to play with, you know, like Lucky Peterson and Buddy Miles and Sugar Blue and all these different cats. And everybody's inviting you to, you know, Tyrone Davis is having a party. Come on down. Yeah. Oh, and that's the way it was. And now you go up there and it's not like that at all. No, it's a shame. Yeah. Huh? yeah. Well, it was funny. A great story about buddies, about buddy guys. It's that my brother spent his, uh, his uh, honeymoon in Chicago. Oh, yeah. Moons ago now, uh, you know, and um, I think it was a mid nineties. I think it was. And he went to Chicago for his honeymoon with his wife, and he, and he and he 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 just went along to Buddy Guys, yeah. and he he just hung out for a night or two, and 
And then there was the jam night on and he was like, you know, he, he'd sort of put his name down and it was kind of like, he said it was funny because it was like, he got this kind of look from a couple of the guys who were like, you know, who's this like strange white boy from Scotland yeah. asking to come up and jam? And they were kind of like dismissing him like, yeah, yeah, whatever, you know, we'll get to you. We'll get to you later, buddy. And they eventually let him up to play. <laughs> and by the end of the night, they were asking him to move to Chicago and join the house band. <laughs> he said, "No, I'm here on my honeymoon." But uh, you know, but, but thanks, you know. But uh, yeah, so you know, he, he got on really well because because he just showed up. He had his last Paul with him, and he just pulled out some some BB King and Peter Green licks, and yeah. it was like, "Oh wow," you know. He, and it, and he could sing as well. So all of a sudden, it was you know, and he was counting off shuffles, which which. Some bands don't. Some bands don't expect, you know, like for someone, you know. I mean, I, I mean, I took to especially you know that the, the beautiful shuffle style. It's like it's a bone of contention in the UK, man, because yeah. you got so many blues bands in the in the UK, and about ninety percent of the drummers don't know what that beat is. Yeah, <laughs> don't have a clue what it is, <laughs> and it, and then it's like. Well, I'm a guitar player and I can sit and do that. Yeah. Why can't you? <laughs> You're a drummer in the blues world. <laughs> yeah. Surely you should know that. <laughs> yeah. What's but, going on here? That's it, but you never know. But we, we, we're all here to learn and, you know, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I like, like I said, I like a lot of the players that are over there. I like Simon McBride a lot. Yeah, I like yeah. Ben Poole. I think Ben Poole is extremely talented. I like yeah. that guy a lot. Now. But let me ask you this. You know, when, when you were coming up and you were, uh, you know, just playing in that, did did you ever did you ever take any formal lessons or were you pretty much self-taught the whole way? Um, I, um, <clears throat> there was a guitar, an old acoustic Yamaha guitar. It was actually a 12-string guitar sitting, but I only ever had six strings on it. <laughs> and it used to sit, it used to sit in the corner of the my, my mother's living room. And um, and it had, you know, like duct tape, you know, silver duct tape holding it together because it had been bashed and stood on and it was completely ruined, you know. And I didn't touch that. No one touched it for years. Yeah. Until until I sort of really started, you know, started really getting into music and blues and stuff. And, and then I would listen to things like, um, I'd listened to two different things. I'd listened to maybe Fleetwood Mac at the, the Boston Tea Party, or I would listen to a, a live ACDC concert uh, from Paris just before Bon Scott died. And I literally picked the guitar up and I fumbled around yeah. for as long as it took until it sounded like what I was listening to. Yeah. So even today... I, I, I still don't know the names of some of the things I'm playing, some of the chords I'm playing. I just I just know I can play them all. Right. They're all there and I can work them out and I know how to get to certain things and I can play, but I don't have any any knowledge of what... It, and I was offered a place in the, in the Royal Academy of Music when I was leaving school. Um, on the last day I was of school, my, my music teacher said, I've... I've managed to get you a place in the, in the, the Academy of Music. And I, I said, no, I don't want to go. No. I said, I don't want to go. I said, because, uh, you know, maybe young and foolish at the time, but still, still, I still truly believe it as well. I, I said, my music's here. Yeah. Uh, it's, 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 it's not on a paper. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I'm not interested in that. And I went and became a, a, a truck mechanic. 
<laughs> yeah, it was cool, yeah. Yeah. And then I ended up earning more money at the weekends gigging than wow. I was working all week long in the garage. <laughs> so, so, uh, but uh, you know what? I, I, it was a great life experience for me. It was, it was, it was amazing. It was, it was great people I met as well. and Learned a lot about life. Yeah. And I and I managed to forge a moderate to terrible career out of music anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you could t- you could tell that it comes from the heart. Your sense of your sense of timing, your sense of rhythm is really good. You know that's that's one of the things. Even though I I really like your vocal ability quite a bit, and and you're a great lead player. But what I pay attention to the most is is your rhythms because yeah. you're a solid rhythm player. Well, that's what I said earlier. I mean, that, that's the that's the thing that I wanted to pride myself on as I, as I was when I was when I was watching those videos of 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 ACDC, I was paying attention to Malcolm Young, not Angus. Yeah. Yeah. When I was watching the Fleetwood Mac, I was watching Danny Kerwin. Yeah. You know, I, I you know, for a long well, my brother was watching Peter Green, I was watching Danny Kerwin and all and Jeremy Spencer and, and all the uh, rhythm play was very important to me. Um so I mean guys, I mean Guys like Richie Blackmore from even from Deep Purple. I mean, you know, nobody, yeah. everyone remembers Richie for that, you know, experimental guitar playing and being a bit, being a bit strange. His rhythm playing was phenomenal. Yeah, and, and and it's something that goes over the top of people's heads at times. You know, it was mm-hmm. it was there because again, like everything else in music, if if you do it right, you're not supposed to notice it. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So, uh, and and but I was, it was all those kind of things. That was the the elements of music I was paying attention to when I was, you know, learning how to how to how to place a chord, how to place, you know, where you play. I mean, Jimmy Vaughn, for example, when Jimmy yeah. Vaughn plays that, it's try and do that, man. It's difficult. <laughs> yeah. When you when, when you try and sit behind that beat like that to get it sounding proper, but when you've got an American bunch of players as well, because there's a massive difference between the the UK players and the and and the, and the American players, we've got a very different approach to how we play, especially the especially the the rhythm section guys, right. and, and the way that that you guys sit just behind that beat. Yeah, but all right. I mean, Jamie Oldacre was was uh, he was phenomenal for that. I mean, his yeah. you, you swear blind he was going to be five minutes late landing that snare drum hit, and it was it was bang on time. But he managed to do it so far behind the beat, it just sounded like it was a different tempo he was playing. But, but it, it was a real amazing skill, and uh, he, we we were fortunate enough to get Jamie to play on one of the Nimble Brothers albums. Uh, and it was it was great, but all these things again. I was always a bit of a sponge for learning things, always paying attention to stuff like that. And 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 I think what one of the things that helped me improve my rhythm playing as guitar player was listening to bass players and drummers yeah. and where they were sitting. Yeah, where they sat. You know, it's like you you had the drummer sitting on this part on here. He was landing on this part of the beat. Your bass player was possibly sat just behind him, and I wanted to be just. Just right at his tail, yeah. Right there, just that's where I always wanted to, to sit, and it just made it work. And uh, once, once I kind of got a better understanding of that, it became more natural to me. And then now it's a natural thing to me. Yeah, it's just what I do automatically now. So, and then and then you when you work with different players, you realise how you have to adapt because some players will sit so far in front of things, but they're not out of time, but you know, they're just, it's just a different style and you, you realize how you, you've got to always adapt all the time to play. So, 
uh, but it's all great learning again, isn't it? It's always great for the. It's always a great experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, oh, so, what's going on right now with the band? I know, I know the whole COVID thing's got everybody on standstill, but uh, what's what's the game plan? I mean, well, luckily enough, now we we managed to get the album out. Yeah, and um, you know, and and you know, initially that's the first couple of weeks gone by, and it's done very well so far. So we we landed in at the UK official top forty albums chart at number twenty three. Yeah, so that's the best chart position we've ever had. So in that kind of sense, commercially, it's been very successful. In that sense, we're very good. Uh, the reaction to the album from fans and 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 people who are just hearing it for the first time as well, uh, you know, seeing about the band, uh, has been very very positive. I haven't seen anything negative at all so far touch wood um it's been very very good and you know we're just basically trying to we're trying to keep keep engaged with the audience over you know things like we're so lucky in this time that we have the technology we have otherwise we'd all be in the darkness we know you know we no one we wouldn't be able to communicate this has been great right so um you know, we, we're, we're keeping people up to date with, you know, what we're doing. We're putting little, we're, we're doing a, acoustic versions of some of the songs and, and, and maybe just doing some some obscure covers and keeping, just putting content out there for people to keep in touch with the band, keep talking to us. Um, we have a, we have, we, we've, we, we're not going to tour until next October. Yeah. yeah. We've got some UK work coming up and then we go into Holland and Germany. So, um, I also I also present a radio show uh, every Friday night as well right. for a local station in Glasgow. So I try and keep everyone informed of what's happening there as well. So it's just a matter of keeping in touch with people, keeping engaged, yep. stay talking to everyone, and make sure they know you're still there. Right, right, right. Are you guys do you guys plan on coming to the US? We would love to come to the US, of course yeah. we would. But you know, you you understand what you know. Yeah. Logistically, it's an absolute nightmare. It's you know, it's so expensive, and you know, and 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 you know. But yeah, I mean, we, the the fan base, the fan base in the states is now growing and growing and growing all the time every year. So sooner or later, we're gonna we're gonna have to get our backsides over there. Yeah, yeah. Well, that would be great. Yeah, that would be great. Well, I tell you what, Alan, I appreciate you taking the time. I know it's uh, it's probably bedtime there, right? Oh, it's uh, it's only it's quite, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. It's uh, I'm just going to have some food. It's it's just it's almost seven o'clock here, so yeah, in the evening. So we're not too bad. There you go. I appreciate- I mean, you know, there you go. It's it's not all rock and roll. I had um, I had my brother's. My brother has a little van that he he, he uses for his. He, he takes his kids uh, uh, real into BMX biking the racing so he uses this little van to put his van his, the bikes in and out of to go to the track and um me being the the one with the history and engineering now i've been i've been at my, my friend's garage all day <laughs> so, <laughs> so i've got dirty hands today so i get brought back to earth by myself and my family occasionally <laughs> well i love the new album i really do i wish you all the success in the world Thanks, Jimmy. Thanks, man. I, I hope that you know someday you'll get the chance to either come here or I can come there. And Absolutely. It'd be nice to meet you in person. <laughs> yeah, that would be awesome. Yeah, man. I appreciate your time, Alan. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks very much. All right. Have a good night. Yeah, again soon, buddy. Cheers. Take care, man. All right. All right. There it is. Alan Nemo of the band King King from Scotland. I want to thank Alan for participating in this episode of Guitar Talk. Of course, you can go to kingking.com. Uh, and you can Google Alan Nemo and his stuff comes up everywhere. You're going to love the music if you're not familiar with it. 
Uh, it's a great, great band. Um, so, okay, in four days, my guest is going to be Steve Fitzer. He's the music director and longtime guitarist for Lita Ford. He's uh, toured the world many times over. His music's been all over TV and movies. He shared the stage with Bon Jovi and Malmsteen and Satriani and Steppenwolf and just a ton of others. You're going to absolutely love it. So before we do that episode, you got to make sure and go to Facebook. Go to Jimmy Warren Radio. Follow me there, please. And then also on Twitter and Instagram, which is just Jimmy Warren. And then go to guitartalkofficial.com. And sign up for our email list so that you can make sure that you never miss anything that's going on. And we've got a new store there. So you can go get yourself a Guitar Talk t-shirt or one of our Gear Life t-shirts or coffee mugs or anything else that we got going on there. Because there's a lot happening. And watch out for the new store that's going to take place on Guitar Talk where there's going to be gear. You're going to be able to buy guitars and pedals and amps and all kinds of things directly through Guitar Talk, a one-stop shop for everything, you know, for when it comes to your guitar stuff. Yeah. Anyway, I appreciate you tuning in. Uh, you can listen to the rebroadcast of this if you want. At any time, just go to Guitar Talk Officials. we got an archive page there. It's called 2021 Episodes. Just go there, and you can listen to it on any platform that you wish to. Okay, thank you so much, and I will see you in four days with my guest, Steve Fister. Have a good week.